Welcome back into the Dead Arm Sports Podcast. Josh and Jell S. Viernes once again. Jell, happy Friday <laughs> to that, you. Is that three of the last four weeks? I think so. so Feels this like is it, a at least. first time we have live streamed twice in one week. Uh, we're coming at you on Thursday due to our scheduling this week, but nonetheless, get you two pods out. Have a fun episode for you today. Thirsty Thursday. Uh, yes, <laughs> Thirsty Thursday indeed. Got uh, got my nice drink right here. Sour. So. Yes, this is a smoothie sour. So this is the one I was wow. talking about last week. It's out of Portland, Oregon. One of the ones that the gentleman at uh, the place my wife went to out in Lake Tahoe had recommended a solid uh, four pack. So six percenter of uh, yeah, it's like it's a uh, so the smoothies are like a puree of like fruits and stuff that are mixed into it, and it's got so it's a tart apple or tart tart ale with strawberry, blueberry, lemon, marshmallow. So Ooh, a, yeah, that sounds really solid, orgasmic. It's, it's delightful. That <laughs> sounds very delightful. Yes, <laughs> gonna have just a little bit of NFL news in regards to uh, playoff matchup and a streaming service that's going to be having that game. And then it's an MLB episode for the most part. Going to give you a little weekly recap, our big takeaways from the past week or storylines, and then way too early trades. We're about two and a half months out from the trade deadline right now. So Jell and I are going to tell you which guys could be on the move and maybe to what destination, but, but there are, I mean, you know, there's some, you know, the teams that are sellers, the teams that are probably going to be buyers already. I mean, yes, we're only a month and a half into the season, but we know that the rays are going to be there at the end. I mean, we know that. So we know that, as mentioned in last week's episode, the White Sox, like, they're <laughs> not going anywhere anytime Dude. fast with a, I believe they're, they've got half the wins that they do losses. So generally, <laughs> yeah, generally not great, not Bob. Ideal. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Going to kick it off with the question of the day today. Before, and... before you get going on this new question of the day. Our last question of the day was a barbecue topic, and that got me going. I went out last night, bought myself, I went to the grocery store, got myself a rack of ribs, got myself some steakhouse potato salad, got myself some grilling beans, some some baked beans. The Bush's uh, Steakhouse Recipe Grilling Beans, best baked beans out Hashtag there, in my opinion. Hashtag not a sponsor, but my go-to baked bean, so... That's gonna be uh that'll be on the menu for the weekend for me. I'm uh ex- that that conversation got me going. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I'm I'm I can't wait. Yeah, this time I actually do have time to maybe catch a flight down there as opposed to last rather time, than uh, same day, <laughs> same, same night. Day, yes. yes. <laughs> Question of the day today. This is a topic that is near and dear to our heart gel that we haven't talked about in quite some time, and I want to talk a little college football. There's been a lot of rumors this last week about, what do you know, conference realignment again. There's been rumors of Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, possibly wanting to jump ship over to the Big 12. And then Clemson, Florida State, Miami wanting out of the ACC deal so that they can presumably jump over to the SEC. That ACC media rights deal, I know they've got lawyers looking through it right now to see if there's any possible outs, and it's pretty hard, I guess, to get out of. At least that's what we're hearing. Isn't that deal through like six? Yeah, twenty thirty six. Okay, I knew it was mid thirties, which is yep. insane. There's been other rumors of the Big Ten vetting Washington and Oregon in case those other four Pac twelve teams jump to the Big Twelve. It's been rumored that the Big Ten doesn't want to. I guess, which is funny because they're the one of the ones that stole two teams already, but they don't want to be the, I guess, nail in the coffin to the Pac-12 and are waiting for some other teams to jump out before they go in and swoop up those two teams. But I guess one, two questions here. One, what are your initial thoughts, I guess, with all of these rumors going down? And two, once the dust settles on this, what do you eventually see with this? Is there still going to be a Pac-12 and ACC what teams might we see move into different conferences? Well, I mean, once the realignment started, I kind of felt like, look, 
this isn't going to be the end of it. I mean, we we've we had, we had seen some realignment in the past with, um, you know, kind of some you know West Virginia moving from the Big East to the Big Twelve, which that still feels weird to me, given that they're not in the South. Uh, like that kind of feels weird to me, but it's like when that those types of moves start happening and Nebraska jumping into the Big Ten for presumably money. I still don't get why the Big Ten went after Rutgers. Like they went, they went after Rutgers, who has never been relevant whatsoever. I guess they wanted that New York, New Jersey market, but nobody freaking cares about Rutgers. And they've like all those Jersey, <laughs> New York fans. They've got Syracuse. They've got St. John's. They've like pretty much any team other than Rutgers is relevant. Like. They're the least relevant team out in that North New York area. So I never really understood that. I still don't. I mean, Syracuse is the basketball. Syracuse and St. John's are the basketball schools that own that state. And Rutgers has never been relevant outside of maybe that one season that in football when they had Ray Rice. Like, that's that's it. I, I don't know of any other relevant Rutgers football teams so and they've never been relevant in basketball so I never really understood taking them on and then the Big Ten also grabbing Nebraska who is 45 years or so out of their prime like (laughs) what feels like it at least jeez oh my god like I don't know whatever that's that's what's crazy is that that's a long that's a long time ago but now with the alignment of you know, Texas, Oklahoma moving to the SEC. It's like, okay, that's feels like kind of, you know, the stat, you know, additional stab in the wound for the big 12. Now, if they are able to get some schools like in Arizona, Arizona state over there, at least that's something, but for numbers, I guess, but, but obviously those schools don't have the, the relevancy that's, a Texas and Oklahoma do have as far as the big 10 goes. I kind of, you know, once they stole that LA market grabbing USC, UCLA, what's left of the pack 12. I mean, at this point, I, I, I kind of felt like eventually it's, it's eventually going to happen where Utah or not Utah, um, Washington and Oregon. I think they do end up in the big 10, how quickly? I don't know why they're scared about being the nail in the coffin for the Pac-12. Like the SEC is like, fuck it, let's go get Florida State, let's go get <laughs> Miami, let's let's corner this Florida market. And what was it? Florida, Florida State, Miami, Clemson. You said were the three ACC teams. So you'd you'd assume they end up jumping ship, yeah, to the SEC, like you said. I don't know why the Big Ten's gonna be scared to do it. To, but but that kind of seems like the Midwest way, you know, bunch of you know, <laughs> bunch of nice guys up in the you know up in the Midwest, and we don't want to you know ruffle any feathers. Well, you already kind of did with USC UCLA. I mean, that's a huge <laughs> that's base that's the base of the Pac-12 is yeah, that, LA, that market. LA market, and so if you take them, you take the way the the home base of the Pac-12. Why not just? continue and go and why be scared about breaking up and putting the nail in the coffin in that conference because you already kind of did you you built the grave you placed the coffin there so when you went behind their back too because they had made that so-called alliance with the pac-12 and the acc that's right Texas i forgot and about that to the sec and then what a couple months later they're like oh yeah by the way we're taking usc <laughs> ucla have fun <laughs> it's gonna be interesting with um the former Big Ten commissioner who got where did he didn't he did he get a job with the some professional league was it the MLB he's like the no he is he's not the CEO but he's way way up the ladder for the Bears he's going to be okay, in charge the of their new project to potentially move the team out to that Arlington Park area and away from Soldier Field. So you wonder, I guess, how this next commissioner is going to handle this transition for the Big Ten. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of this has already kind of worked out. It's, it's obviously is already worked out, uh, with UCLA USC. And is this new commissioner, like, 
you know, brand new to the conference? Does he want to, maybe he wants to build up his reputation and that's why he's like, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to put the dirt on this grave that has already been built. So maybe that's the reason why. But at the same time, if you're a new commissioner, you can be like, don't fuck with me. I'm stealing more of your teams from the Pac-12. <laughs> right. Don't try to screw me over. You saw what I did by putting the nail in the coffin. So maybe he's not going for the power play or he's clearly not going for the power play here, which I guess is kind of refreshing. I always liked having the uh, the conferences that were aligned by region. I just kind of, you know, it made college sports different than professional sports, but now that with how much money is in college sports, it doesn't surprise me that each, you know, the two power conferences being the SEC and the Big Ten are going going gold mining here and trying to get as much cash as they can. But am I in favor of it? Not really. I'm excited for some of the matchups. I will say that, but I don't Pac-12 at night. That's one of the cool like I love Pac-12 at night when I'm just, you know, I get back, you know, back from a buddy's place or back from a bar and I get, you know, get back at 1130 or something. And hey, Pac-12 football is still on for another hour and a half. Like, that's awesome. (laughs) Or just kicking off. Or just kicking off. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the part that I guess I'm going to miss. And usually they're shitty teams. Usually it's like an Arizona State, Washington State kind of a game or something. But. Then you got to wonder, is Fresno State, do they jump into the Pac-12 if the Pac-12 is going to even remain a conference? I mean, you kind of think they're going to do whatever they can to stay afloat. But a lot of moving parts, obviously, that I think started really, there was some small realignment going on. And then once Texas and Oklahoma jump ship to the SEC, it's like, okay, now it's now it's on, like party time. Yeah. No, I... I agree completely with you on that. I think eventually you are going to see Washington and Oregon jumping into the Big Ten Conference. It just kind of seems inevitable at this point. And I'm curious if that does happen, what happens with some of those other big programs that are in that Pac-12 and what they end up doing. What happens to a Washington State, an Oregon State, a Stanford, which not super relevant in the sports world. I mean, they have been at times, but not perennial powerhouses at least for the major sports of football basketball but we'll see what ends up happening with them that pac 12 i mean san diego state's coming in once ucla usc move out um but i mean does boise state jump into that conference i mean what who else do they try and add there really isn't anyone else to add that's going to take a or bring anything colorado state table. rams the rams yeah <laughs> they are garbage. Gonzaga basketball and just not have a football team but that's actually probably in a, a, a good play for their at least for the basketball side basketball side yeah, yeah. but as far as the SEC too, I I think it's a matter of time with that, and I think those schools are going to do everything that they possibly can to try and get them out. I don't know what happens too. I mean, it almost feels like you need a fourth school out of that grouping to maybe jump to the SEC. Why? Just for the numbers wise, because when Texas and Oklahoma come in, they have an even number, and if three teams go in, you're going to have an odd number, and then once it gets into conference play, I guess just rotate a buy or something. But eh, I, don't I don't know. know I, like I a, wouldn't be too worried about that. I about the even odd number thing. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the Big like Ten a, had eleven teams for a long time. Yeah, before Rutgers and Nebraska were added on, and then it was yeah. thirteen. So. Aren't the what's the big tw- what's the Big Ten at net right now? Isn't it isn't it thirteen teams right now? Fourteen. I think there's seven in each. Who's the la- Who am I think? Who am I missing here? Because on our side, it's Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, Northwestern, Purdue, Nebraska, and then on the other side, both Michigan teams. Oh, Ohio I'm thinking of Maryland. State, State, Maryland, Maryland is the one that I'm Rutgers, missing. So that that's. Yeah. So Rutgers, Maryland, yeah. Nebraska made it 14, but they rocked 11 teams for the longest time, and I don't think it was a big deal. So I'm not worried about the even odd number. You know, maybe you have one extra team in the East to try to make the East a little bit more competitive because it's been the West for the most part that has dominated that conference between, you know, I guess mostly Alabama, LSU, but yeah. and Florida's obviously had their down years. Georgia has been obviously amazing the last couple, but for a, it was a long stretch where 
the West was, you know, including Auburn too. The West dominated the East. So maybe you bring in, when you bring in a Clemson, Miami, Florida State, that may balance things out a little bit and keep those guys in the East. You send over Vanderbilt, Tennessee to the West and, you know, kind of may balance things out a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. I, we saw the super conference thing coming. Like once Texas and OU moved over, it's like, okay, it's coming. And then it wasn't long after that, that USC, UCLA were announced coming to the Big Ten. So, Well, the Big Ten had to make a move because otherwise, if you waited for another conference to do it, then we're talking totally different about what's the future of the Big Ten right now. And they might be on the chopping block. So they made their move. And I like, too, that you had said, it's always fun to turn on that Pac-12 after dark, but it'll just – now essentially be the Big Ten after dark. So, and we'll actually have I some guess, maybe yeah. relevant matchups that are meaningful to with us both being Badger fans. You can tune tune into a game that starts at nine o'clock, nine thirty our time that has implications on where we're going to end up in the standings. So, makes it a little bit more meaningful. But at the same time, too, though, it is nice just kind of shut your brain off and watch some football and just enjoy it too, and not have to worry about uh, oh, I need this team to lose so the Badgers move up the standings. And, It'll be interesting to see how uh, Fox handles this. If they're going to do the big noon kickoff, which is a noon Eastern time kickoff, 11 Central, that means a 9 a.m. kickoff for USC, UCLA, if they're in the big noon kickoff, like they're going to have to figure out a way to navigate that. Yeah. Because that's time. not, that's, that doesn't work for not anybody's body clock, including fans. <laughs> no, not at all. Although, Solid time to have bloody and watch the game. That's <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we can be found at Dead Arm Sports Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook at Dead Arm Sports. Go to YouTube, Dead Arm Sports, into that search bar. Subscribe there. Click the bell that we know in our live episodes Dang. drop. If you were subscribed, you know that we had a bonus live episode this week. So make sure you go and subscribe there. We can be found on our socials at Dead Arm Sports. If you want to follow Gel, he can be found at Das Gel. That's at D A S J E L. I can be found at Das JPEC. That's at D A S J P E C. Give all three of those a follow. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Send us a screenshot, and we will swag you up with some Dead Arm Sports goodies. So we got news coming out of NFL this week that Peacock is going to exclusively stream one of the playoff games in the playoff round of or the wild card round of the playoffs, not the playoff round. But I'm just kind of sick of this, Joe. I don't know how you feel about this. It's kind of like how we always get pissed off when we're tuning into MLB and find out it's on Apple TV Plus. The worst. Like the one game. And it's just like, I don't want to have to go and I'm assuming it's probably going to be the purchase Peacock, or maybe it maybe it'll be in the free version of it, which then that's not bad. You just download the app. I haven't looked into it a ton, but I'm just kind of sick of it. I get it's more revenue for the NFL. You've got streaming services and stations bidding for these games, and obviously you want to make the most money you can with it, but it's just getting so inconvenient when you have to go and try and figure out where to watch games at. It just It's too confusing. Just leave it how it is i i don't know that's just kind of how i feel about it not sure if you're the same way i know you are I, for well, the mlb portion and the, yeah i mean i don't have apple tv plus so what what now i just can't watch the game i'm not going to i'm not going to subscribe to apple tv so i can catch the occasional brewers friday night game like <laughs> right. i and i assume that's the that's what Apple TV is going for when they make this deal like hey we we might be able to get some more subscribers for Apple TV plus that'll stay around for you know they'll find value in okay not only am I getting all of Apple TV plus's content but also now I can catch these MLB games as like an extra bonus that's the deal that I assume Peacock is making they are for this one game, they're giving the NFL $110 million. It's a one-game $110 million deal. That's insane. Are they going to be able to make that up? I mean, are are you... I don't know if you're a current Peacock's, Peacock subscriber. I'm not. Nope. Nope. Are you going... So it's a Saturday... I believe it's it's one of the Saturday games in that wild card round. I don't know if it's the night game. I don't If it's like the early afternoon game, I don't know. 
But are you going to go out there and subscribe to Peacock for this? Or maybe see if you can score a 30-day subscription and then cancel it after the game? That's probably what I'm going to try to do. But are you going to subscribe to Peacock just for this one game? And then, I mean, let's be honest. We've all subscribed to stuff before and then thinking, <laughs> okay, we've got this 30 days. I'm going to take advantage of it forget. for this month. And then you forget. And it's like the next bill comes and you're like, ah, I got another 30 days. I already paid for the next 30 days. Might as well keep it. And then I'll just, just cancel after that. And then you never do. <laughs> I think that's probably what Peacock must be banking on here but are you going to be subscribing to peacock for this one nfl game here i mean i'm trying to figure out how they're going to make up 110 million dollars if you're thinking about it from a business standpoint like that or is it just hey let's just this is or i guess really this is just more of a it's almost like an ad it's a promotion more than anything so i guess it depends how you want to look at it but i don't know i mean i i if I can't get a, if I can't watch this for free, I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to, I'm not going to subscribe. I'm not going to do any of that shit. If somebody, if a buddy has already has Peacock, I'll go to his, I'll go to his place or her place or I don't know. The other thing to question in this is like, how do bars handle this? Like, can you, how are they going to be able to play this game? Because you you go to a place, any pretty much any sports bar, and if there's a place with 20 TVs, do they have to buy like a business membership that's going to cost them however much, you know, X amount per TV? Kind of like how they have to do it for pay-per-view for UFC and, and boxing fights. I don't know how this is going to work, but... <sighs> We're already on Amazon Prime for the the Thursday night games, which I think most people in the in the country probably have Prime. They might not know how to use Prime Video, but you probably have a Prime <laughs> right. subscription. Yeah. You got Sunday Ticket going to YouTube TV this upcoming season. Now you've got a playoff game on Peacock. Like Are we are we is the NFL taking this too far? I know again it's it's let's make our money where we can, but this can't be in the best interest in terms of long-term growth of the game. And that's what that's where Fox, NBC, CBS, ESPN, ABC, they've been staples in our lives since we you know, since we became since we were born and became football fans. <clears throat> like and that's what helped really grow this game and make it grow the sport and make it a sport that you can't go without in, during your fall and winter weekends. The harder you make it, though, to to watch these games, the less viewers you're going to get. And eventually that's how things die off. So my thoughts are that the NFL's probably taking this a little bit too far, going for the quick money grab. But is that in the best interest of the game as a whole? I bet I, I I would say probably not. Yeah, no, I don't think so. And I think, like you said, I think Peacock's probably doing this more for advertisement. The only possible way I could see subscribing to it if I couldn't get a free trial is if the Bears are playing, or I'm sure you probably might if the Packers were playing. That's probably That's pro- the only yeah. situation. Right. But again, I'd probably look to say, oh, is there a bar show in the game? Does my buddy have it? I can just pop over there. Like that that would be first before I actually went and subscribed to something and have to pay for one game that I'm not going to use the rest of the streaming service. And I like that you brought up the NFL, just kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent here, the NFL Sunday ticket moving over to YouTube TV. Last night, last night, they, during that heat Celtics game. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. I got screwed. They, (laughs) it was like the last like minute of the game and just shut down. I kept seeing replays of this little mermaid commercial. (laughs) And like I'm like, what's going on with my? I was like, like I restarted my, I restarted my fire stick. I restarted. I did whatever I could, and you know, rewound, changed channels, came back. Every other channel worked just fine. And I'm like, this is the, this is the end of the game in a playoff game in an Eastern Conference Finals game. Like, if if is YouTube TV having an issue here with too many people watching one channel at once, and that's why it shut down? Because if that's the case. 
good luck with NFL Sunday ticket. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't, you're just screwed there. Everybody is just screwed at that point. That like this is this is a risky move, man. Yeah. I don't I'm know if curious. where you were going on that. Sorry to I was, sorry to interrupt, oh, but that, okay. I just had a personal <laughs> fuckery last night with YouTube yeah. TV. No, I was going to bring that up afterwards, but where I was kind of going with it is I'm curious to see like what a place like Buffalo Wild Wings, hashtag not a sponsor, or your <laughs> local bar <laughs> that you. had NFL Sunday ticket prior through direct TV because that was the only way to do it before, what they're going to end up doing. Are they now subscribing to YouTube TV where now they don't necessarily have to go through a TV provider anymore where they just have to pay for their internet and now they have YouTube TV everywhere where then it's more likely that they're like, oh, well, we can just download Peacock here and stream the game or have Peacock for, I think, Premier League are on there for the English Premier League. Yeah, yeah, the Saturday morning uh, or Sunday mornings, like, you know, Sunday morning EPL. So maybe they see that as a benefit where that they might actually be happy about it because now they have more options other than, Oh, well we just paid for a shit ton for direct TV and the Sunday ticket. I don't want to download other streaming services that people might want to watch. And now maybe they have more opportunity. But again, like you said, if we're all relying on internet (laughs) and streaming, that's a scary thing because I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for something to go wrong there and some big plays to be missed. And I, I mean, the only thing that would get in the way of that satellite dish was weather. You could have, you could have the entire population of the world running off of a satellite dish and have no issues unless there, unless there's weather in the area where, if we're talking about there's too many users on one server, like that's when that's when shit can hit the fan. So it'll be interesting. The one thing that I do, or I guess the next thing that I fear, and you know, this is just me doing a little forward thinking. I think we're talking about a pay-per-view Super Bowl coming up and not too long from now. I'm not saying it's going to be in the next year, two years, but five years down the road, now that you've got streaming, I mean, who knows how far they're going to take this? It's it's already streaming Amazon. It's already streaming Sunday Ticket. Now they're streaming uh, playoff games next year. It wouldn't shock me if there's a like ESPN Plus exclusive is going to be one of these playoff games. At some point, you're going to be talking about a pay-per-view Super Bowl. Like, and I don't know what that what that's going to look like because if you're, I mean, if I'm sitting at home and it's like a $200 pay-per-view, if you're hosting a Super Bowl party and you've got 20 people there, Hey, everybody chip in 10 bucks, you know, when you're coming over, whatever that's, that is, it, it is what it is. 10 bucks, whatever. But if you're new to a city, you don't have anywhere to go or you, and you just, or you're, you're on the road, you're traveling for work and, the only option is pay 200 bucks for this pay-per-view. Like, okay, now you're going to miss the Super Bowl and I'm not paying 200 bucks to watch the Super Bowl. So I just think that that's going to be the next thing coming. I'm not, and I don't know the price tag 200 might be steep. Maybe they go 89, 99, whatever. But I just, the way that this is going, when we're talking about going to subscript paid subscriptions for, Amazon, YouTube, Peacock, possibly an ESPN Plus. What's going to stop them from taking, again, taking that quick money grab and going for a pay-per-view Super Bowl? I don't know. It's It'll be weird if you got a pay-per-view Super Bowl with ads, I guess. <laughs> That's kind of the <laughs> whole point of the pay-per-view piece. But, it, I mean, this is one of those things that wouldn't shock me if in the next five to ten years... We might be looking at a a $100 bill for the Super Bowl. Yeah, hopefully not. I mean, that would absolutely suck. And I'd be curious to see how much their viewership goes down. But again, if you're collecting money for it. (laughs) This is is clearly just a quick money grab. $110 million to the NFL. What is that? What is that? I mean, if they spread that out to to these 32 teams, $110 million, 
you're talking about a couple million per team. It's like, it's not that much or per, you know, to the, to the team owners, it's not that much money in the grand scheme of things. What you're going to use that extra three and a half million. So you can do a, like renovate, like a few rows in your stadium. Like it's not, (laughs) it's not that much money. So I, I guess I'm curious as to why the NFL even went for that. I mean, I, I feel like viewership is more valuable to them than this $110 million. Hey, $2 million could definitely help out the Oakland A's from keeping the uh, possums <laughs> out of the booth. So it could, uh, could go, go away. You never know how teams. brutal that infestation is, I guess. Right. With the A's, we're going to move into MLB here and just going to kind of spitball some of the topics back and forth here. And I want to talk about a team that is in the Oakland A's division, and that is a team that you kind of gave me a little bit of crap for in my predictions earlier on in the season, Gel. So I wanted to toot my own horn here and talk about uh, Texas Rangers' hot start right now, off to a 26-17 start. Yeah, I guess we'll Don't- stay off. If you're going to toot your own horn, let's not talk Mariners. Yeah, no, we're not going <laughs> to go that direction right now. Although they are climbing above 500 they, they, right they've, now. They've so. had a little bit of a comeback. They've been playing back. a little bit better. Yep. Dallas Garcia, 13 home runs, 46 RBIs, team batting average of 266 right now, and 21 quality starts from their starters. So they're all over firing on all cylinders right now. Pitching staff, batting's been pretty decent right now, and they're ahead of Houston in the standings. So I don't know if that's necessarily going to hold up a think Houston probably in the long run is going to be one of the teams that ends up winning that division, but Texas can hold on right now. They're looking at a wild card spot possibly. And they're doing this without DeGrom right now, mm-hmm. which God, yeah. this is so funny. They signed him Here's to that five-year deal. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they signed, they signed a DeGrom to that five-year deal. And I think all of us were like, shaking our head like really like he hasn't pitched a complete season without a pretty significant injury in years and you're gonna give him five like I know I know all my coworkers down here in Texas were like we like having him but we (laughs) like five years I guess it's it's not you know it's like the way you got to look at it as a fan for for baseball is hey it's not my money but if that's one of those contracts that ends up, you know, preventing them from signing future players, that's and, – and Texas isn't a, really a small market. I mean, this owner is, is has been paying big money con- – or making big money contracts for – over these last couple of years. I mean, Corey Seager, uh, Marcus Simeon, obviously uh, DeGrom. So he's – this owner is willing to spend the cash along with creating or uh, building that new stadium. But as long as that doesn't prevent them, you know, that DeGrom contract doesn't prevent them from making future moves, I guess, whatever. But it's still just like, God, you're stuck now with this guy that how many starts is he going to make a year? Is he going to make 10 starts for you a year? Is he going to be available (laughs) for the postseason? And you have to build your, your entire rotation around him. So, if you go into the season next season thinking, "Hey, we got an ace, we got Degrom," okay, <laughs> well, so you basically you're starting off with a two starter. <laughs> That's your best pitcher for a lot of the year. He went once he went on that IL with the elbow inflammation, or I think that's what it was. They're like, "Oh, sure, you know, we'll put him on the 15 day and he'll be back." Well, once he was ready to come off that 15 day DL, they extended his absence for another two to three weeks. So. <laughs> Again, not a shock for anybody that's been following DeGrom's career over these last few few years. Yes, dominant when pitching, but not pitching enough. So, I, but nice surprise. Happy to see it. Seager hasn't even been playing and he's because he's been on. He's been hurt. So it's a nice I like what I'm seeing out of the Rangers. It's finally the the first little bit of hope that I feel like they've had and since. Oh, shoot. 2014-ish, maybe? <laughs> Back with, like, the Nelson Cruz days? Yeah. Was that Josh Hamilton? Josh ha- Hambone. <laughs> <laughs> Your buddies have to be pretty excited, too, down in Dallas. They actually have a sports team this time of year to cheer for that's doing halfway decent. It's rare. I mean, there's the nothing stars. exciting for <laughs> – it's nothing exciting for 
there's nothing for Aggie fans to be excited about. Normally, they'd be like, oh, spring game. Like, yeah. It's like, no, that team's still going to underperform <laughs> as always. So they got the Rangers. They got it's it's all stars right now down here for sure. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Uh, Another, I guess, let's turn it back. We were talking about the A's briefly. They have officially signed a contract for a stadium in Las Vegas to be built on the strip. I think that's a that's an absolute great move. If you had to, you know, I mean, you know where the Brewer Stadium is located. It's like off a highway. You can't really get there from downtown without hopping in an Uber. Like, not walking there. It's not like Wrigley <laughs> where you can just walk up. Like, you're just hanging out in the area and, shit, stadium. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so that, like, I think them putting it on the strip is a great move. I mean, I don't know how many fans are going to be drawn daily there, but that's why they kept this to a 30,000 seat capacity stadium. I thought that's a great move. It's, you know, you won't see the, the, the tarps over the top, uh, <laughs> over the top <laughs> rows like you do at the current, uh, the, what is it called? O.co Coliseum or whatever. I, yeah, that's whatever it's called. So many times. I mean, nobody <laughs> wants to sponsor that piece of shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I think, I think that, the biggest move that they like, I mean, them to Vegas, it's inevitable. The biggest, most positive move they've made is by putting it on the strip so people can just walk to the game. Hey, you want to go to an A's game? I got nothing else to do today. Like, I've already lost, I've already gambled away all my money. Like, let's go get some $15 <laughs> tickets and have some beers. Like, <laughs> $15 tickets and $20 beers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was thinking about what that uh, seventh inning stretch is going to look like in Vegas, if they're going to have any uh, in-house entertainment from uh, <laughs> <laughs> some of the premium, some of the uh, higher-end clubs there. <laughs> that might be a little interesting. No, I, I like the move. Again, it's one of those I typically – I hate seeing teams change locations. I was disappointed when the Chargers left San Diego. Me too. Hated when the Expos left for Washington. Just I like seeing teams where they started stick there and go through it. But Oakland, just that market has just crashed so much. We saw that with the Raiders. We saw that, well, the Raiders, obviously, they wanted a new stadium and had a whole ordeal with that, and that's why they ended up in Las Vegas. And the A's now tried to work out different things on the riverfront in Oakland to or the Bay in Oakland to try and get a new stadium there and just isn't happening. So I don't blame them. You're hardly getting any fans in the stadium. They have to be just burning money like crazy because you're not bringing in that revenue. So I'm totally fine with this move. Yes, it's really smart to have that on the strip. I think it's pretty close to where the Knights play, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's somewhat close to that. The Knights are pretty close to the strip as well. So, I mean, why not? That's right in the hustle and bustle of everything in Vegas. It's, 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 again, I think it's like across said, the street from MGM. Okay. So, so you're, yeah, yeah I mean, that's a money spot. Yeah. Like you said, even if you're going to have fans, obviously, that want to go to the games and are diehards, but you're also going to have those people that are in town and like, hey, there's a baseball game, just like you said. Let's just grab tickets, go in. I like that it's 30000 Then you're not worried about, oh, are we, like you said, having to put tarps up? Are we not going to have a full house? Really intimate experience. Seats are probably going to be pretty awesome with only 30000 in there. Every seat's going to be a good seat. So that's another selling point that maybe you can have your minimum ticket price be a little bit higher than normal because of that. And the demand, if they're decent, ticket demand is going to go up for that as well. So smart and i yeah i i like it yeah they are uh, see when this happens i mean ticket demand in oakland can't be any less the other day against the diamondbacks they had a they had an in-person attendance of 2064 great what? chance at a foul ball <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you might have to run a freaking marathon to go get it but <laughs> like 2000 I don't know if I've ever seen a total that low even when the Rays were completely irrelevant and like I've never seen something as low as almost under 2000 fans less than 2100 fans there insane yeah. but no I I think it's a I think it's a freaking awesome move yeah. I want to talk about another team 
kind not not necessarily similar to the A's as far as stadium, but similar in the fact that they just haven't been good in a while. And that's a Kansas City Royals. I feel terrible for Royals fans because Kansas City is a cool place. It's the stadium's pretty cool from what I've heard. Um, no people that have gone to the game said it's pretty sweet stadium to catch a game at. There isn't really a bad seat in the house at all, but outside of that 2015 World Series, they just haven't been very relevant at all. I mean, you had that one year, and again, a small market team like Kansas City, that's what they went for. They got that World Series in 2015, and then just haven't been relevant since. They've had players come up and had guys leave like an Eric Cosmer. They have Salvador Perez there behind center or behind catcher position right now, but what at the center position, how do we make Kansas city relevant again? I know again, they're a small market team, so you can't be spending big or anything like that, but it's just, it's hard to see a team like that. Just not be relevant at all. I mean, they're sitting at 14 and 31 right now in May. The, the, I mean, their the, season's done. It's this has just kind of been a repeat thing for what the last seven years since that World Series. Well, and the previous yeah. probably fifteen <laughs> since maybe those like George Brett teams, yeah. which I don't. That's a. I mean, obviously, you know, look at any George Brett highlights when you've got grainy video. You know, it's a long <laughs> time ago. So, yeah. and I mean, Bobby Witt Junior.'s really yeah. all they've got. Like that's. And he's that guy is legit. I mean, he's going to be a he's, you know, with this new he's already going to be going for 30 steals. If he can continue to to uh, develop that power, you might be seeing a 30, 30 player in terms of 30 jacks, 30 steals a game or uh, a season and <laughs> a game. That'd be nice. Uh, <laughs> so you might be seeing that out of him. But outside of Bobby Witt, what do you have there? I mean, Perez is old. I'm yeah. surprised he's I'm honestly kind of surprised he's still behind the plate. Like right. <laughs> he he's getting up there quick. Um I mean, I guess kind of like a Yadier Molina type, but no, I I mean, I there it's not like their farm system. Yeah, it's it's kind of nice, but they've had a few guys come up that haven't really panned out like they thought. Um and that's what they rely on too. That's one hundred percent. Team is you have to have your prospects come up, and they all have to be hitting their kind of stride and prime all at once in order for them to even make a run. And they they've tried to make some moves for you know kind of middle of the road like B level players, you know, signing them to one two year deals, and you know, kind of I I think they they kind of did the uh, the old Cub strategy under. Uh, Theo, Theo, when they sign, you know, what was the what was the guy that uh, they sent over to the O's? Scott Feldman traded him over to the O's, <laughs> got themselves Jake Arietta out of it because Feldman was looking nice that season. Like that's the and kind of Pedro Strope <laughs> and Pedro Strope. God, wild card is ultimate wild card. He could be dialed in so hard oh, or yeah. just a complete disaster. You know, throwing yeah. balls into the stands and shit. Uh, but like that, like I think the Royals have kind of tried to do that. But these guys that they brought in, they haven't really fetched much in terms of you know, hey, we're gonna be a seller and try to score on some prospects. That they haven't really been able to sell these guys off very well. And I think it's because, dude, I could be a B level player for the Royals, or I could be a B level player for like the Giants, or you know pretty much any other team it's like why would i ra would you rather go to the royals knowing that you're gonna be traded mid-season to a contender or just sign with the contender from the start <laughs> like, right sign with the team that you actually have a chance to win a world series whether you're not you're like an everyday starter or not but you still get right. that ring at the end of the day still get the ring you're not having with the royals so i i don't know man it's 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 sad to see because it's bobby witt and nothing else out there i mean Whit Merrifield, I, I don't even know where he's at. Is he still there? Like he's, he's in Toronto. Is he in Toronto? Something? He might, dude. I don't know. He might be. Um, <laughs> but it's too bad because I, I really like those couple years when the Royals were competitive and making those two years when they made Super the World fun. Series. That was sweet, man. And the, and they got their ring. But 
it's like this is kind of one of those tales where it's especially for these small market teams strike while the iron is hot because this has been the frustrating part with the brewers it's like them not just going balls to the walls to go get that one title because after this season i mean we we assume corbin burns is gone who knows what the future of this team's going to be with, you know, at least on the pitching staff with Woodruff, who's nice, but he's been hurt this season. Freddie Peralta has some really nice games, has some other games where he's out in the fourth inning after he gave up five, five earned like, so that's been the frustrating part about being a Brewers fan and being a small market team that, to not just go balls to the walls to try to get a title. The Royals did that and they won a title. They made two World Series, they won a title. I'm sure they I'm sure they're happy to take that with in between that in between a sandwich of, you know, you've got the 1990s as one end of your bread, you've got <laughs> 2025 as the other end of the bread. And in the middle, you've got two you've got a title and two World Series appearances. I think that you take that sandwich if you're a Royals fan because you did yeah. get that title and the other World Series appearance. So that's just what pisses me off as a as a Brewers fan, but whatever. Speaking of uh midseason trades, you want to dive into a couple of a uh, couple of options here, the couple of proposals we have cooked up over the last few days? Yeah, for sure. So I've got more so just guys that I think might be dealt in a team that they could end up at don't really have the names of like necessarily people coming back. I can let you know on like prospects, but one I'm going to start with that white Sox fire sale gel. And I think it's time for them to move on from some of these guys. And I've got Dylan C's going to the Padres for some prospects. The Padres right now are flirting with that a or the NL West. They're a few games out of first and out of a wild card spot right now. A couple games below 500. That pitching staff has just been kind of non-existent right now. Their starters are all four out of their five starters have above a 3.56 ERA, and three out of those five are above four. So they need all the help they can get right now. I think Dylan Cease right now is just kind of a product of a lackluster offense giving him some run support. So I like Dylan Cease going over there. He's still got two years left after this of arbitration so you can get some fine prospects from the Padres coming back to the White Sox yes the White Sox uh were involved in a notable trade involving Fernando Tatis Jr. to the Padres so they might not necessarily want to trade with the Padres as they got the uh short end of the stick there but I I think that could be a possible trade uh destination for Dylan C's yeah I mean Tatis wasn't good lord I mean <laughs> that sucks to not have <laughs> but uh no I I mean I think that makes sense Dylan Cease needs to get out of that organization he's way too good of a pitcher I believe last year he had like a 2.2 ERA something in those something in that area Ridiculous, yeah. so you know he's legit he's not you know and what I kind of like about him is he's not one of these flamethrowers he can hang in the low 90s and he's obviously not saying he's Greg Maddox or anything but he's kind of that Greg Maddox type where hangs in the you know low to low mid 90s for his fastball but he's just pinpoint accuracy and finds ways to get outs and that's ultimately what you need and a lot of times also you know to add on to that that's how these pitchers stay healthier longer that's how you are able to use them deeper than the fifth, sixth inning. Like, I mean, we we saw C's finish a number, finish multiple games last season, or go eight multiple games last season, probably in a loss. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> more than likely, but he's but he's legit, and the Padres are a nice fit. So I I'm into that. Sticking with the theme of the White Sox fire sale, <laughs> Lucas Giolito. He's on his final year of his contract and Yohan Moncada signed through 2025 going to the Texas Rangers. Now this is an in uh, division trade. You don't see those very often, but if the return is strong enough, I think it's doable. Uh, that return I'm looking at is the 58th overall uh, MLB.com's 58th 
overall prospect, uh, a middle infielder, and the 80th overall prospect, a right-handed pitcher, and then throw in another low-level prospect. If I mean, they got to go for it. They've got to pick up. They've got to pick up another starting pitcher, not knowing the status of uh, Jake Degrom. And Yon Mankata could slide into that third base role pretty easily. You'd have a really nice middle in. You'd have a really nice infield there with Nate Lau at first, Marcus Simeon at second, Corey Seager at short, and then Yon Mankata at third. Makes that infield a lot more dangerous, and you get a little bit of additional starting pitching depth. We've seen Lucas Giolito be really strong when he's on and when he's motivated. He's having a down year. These last two seasons, his ERA has ballooned a little bit, but we've seen when he needs to be good and when he's motivated, and he can be pretty dialed in. So uh, I think that would be a great fit. And, And again, you're getting two really nice prospects back from the Rangers. Rangers obviously want to be competing this year, given that they have a really legitimate chance to win this division. I think that you can go ahead and and sell off a couple top prospects for for a starter, a starting pitcher that you need that can be elite at times. Plus, Yoan Mankata, who again another one of those players who didn't really live up to his prospect name, but still a still a starting third baseman in this league. No, that'd be a nice haul for the Texas Rangers. And like you said, I, I like the way that that infield would shake out a lot with Yoan Moncada going to third base there. And again, I think Le- Lucas Giolito, like a lot of the guys you see that get traded at the deadline, they're either hot or teams think that a change of scenery would do well for them. And that's what I think is the category Lucas Giolito falls into, or he could just benefit from a change of scenery, get thrown into a team that's in the playoff hunt, fighting to make the playoffs. And I think he'd benefit quite a bit. I want to, I'm glad you brought up the Rangers gel. Cause I have Araldis Chapman going there. Texas has only got nine saves on the season right now. They could definitely Yikes. use a boost in the save category. And Araldis Chapman's kind of bounced back a little bit this year. He's uh, going to be a free agent after this year. So I think you could get him on the cheap. I don't think you're going to have to give away any top prospects in your farm system right now. And Hey, one of the last times he was traded mid season, uh, ended up, uh, giving and helping the team win a world series. So maybe the Texas Rangers look at that a little bit. Yes, that was, uh, that's not, he's not the same years pitch ago, that he was back no, then, but not at all, but he's still relevant where he still would be an upgrade to that closer position for them. Or even if you, or, or even throw him into like a setup role or something yeah. like that, rather than like, Hey, we need you again. You know, we need you to be the, the guy. And if you're not the guy, then we're gonna we're all losing. So throw him into that setup role. I mean, adding additional bullpen depth, never a bad idea for a especially for a contending team like the Rangers. All right, let's talk blockbuster here. You want to talk Shohei Otani? Oh, I've got uh I got one on there for all right. his name on it too. So. Let's do a little <laughs> little head to head here, Shohei talk. Who, by the way, uh, just earn, or just hit his tenth home run. Let's not forget that he also is an elite starting pitcher. I don't like. It's insane. I don't get that. This isn't guy's insane. He might be the best baseball player of all time, given what he can do on both sides of the plate. Insane. Shohei and Matt Moore. Bullpen depth. Lefty bullpen depth to the Rays. For Francisco Mejia, a catcher, Manuel Margot, probably a fourth outfielder, but the keys in this trade, the Rays' top prospect and number 18 overall in, according to MLB.com, Taj Bradley, a right-handed pitcher, the 59th overall prospect, a shortstop, Carson Williams, throw in another mid-level, lower-level guy, and then, you know, player player to be named later type of a deal, and... Get yourself Shohei and go for it. It's only a one. It's it, it'd be a rental piece, but dude, this is the best raised team we've seen probably ever. And fuck it, man. You've got enough young. You've got enough young studs on this team. These prospects might be. I mean, they're going to be a little bit less valuable when you've got a, a major league team that's just loaded with young players, young stars. I mean, Carson Williams, he's a shortstop. Wander Franco's not going anywhere. He's going to command that shortstop position for the next 10 years. I think he just signed an eight-year deal last season. 
So Carson Williams doesn't really have a spot as a, at least as a shortstop on the major league team. The Rays are amazing, obviously, at developing pitching talent. So you can give up a high-end pitching prospect because you might be able to grab some random dude off the street, develop him into somebody that can be a number one, number two starter. So I think, and and then you obviously, you know, you're giving up Francisco Mejia. He was looked at at one point as one of the top catching prospects in the league. Manuel Margot, he's a fourth outfielder at this point, but the angels, they get back two really two elite prospects. They get, and then they get some outfield depth and they get some catching depth, possibly a starter on that team. So, and, and then just some additional, you know, player to be named later, which shit. A lot of times those guys end up being nice. I mean, Michael Brantley, he was in a trade that was a player to be named later out of the brewer system. So these guys can really in that CC Sabathia trade with the Indians. So these guys can, those players to be named later, aren't, always just scrubs you know guys that are going to be in single a double a for their entire career sometimes they can end up being studs so that i mean i feel like i want to add additional p like i if if shohei wasn't on his final year i would you'd have to add way more to this trade but it's a rental so i think your top like two of your top prospects if not the Rays' top two prospects plus additional pieces that should be enough to get Shohei. And if you're the Rays, go get him, man. This is, this is now like your time is now. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if the angels do end up dealing him because I, he's not going to resign there. No. So you might as well get some prospects. I know that they're holding out hope and don't really want to, but it, it just doesn't make sense. And I don't think you'd be doing your organization. Uh, you'd be doing them a disservice, not, trading him away and getting some elite prospects coming back in. I've got Otani moving and I've got boring, but I've got him going to the crosstown team wearing Dodger blue to the Dodgers. I just think that the Dodgers are going to be one of those teams that are like, Hey, we're going to be right up there to offer him whatever the heck he wants when he hits free agency. So let's just go and get him a few months early and just run away with the NL right now. And just open up whoever you want another farm system. You can have them. We don't really care. We're buying our team anyways. We're just paying whoever we want to and bring in Shohei. We'll send you back whatever you want. And we're not going to, we're going to show Shohei that, Hey, it's awesome being a Dodger and you got a nice trial run with us for two months. And now we're going to sign you long-term and you'll stay in LA for your whole career. I think it's inevitable that he becomes a Dodger at some point. <laughs> like Perfect. they're just going to pony up the cat. It's, it's going to be a Dodger Yankees, probably Red Dodger Sox. Yankees type of a battle. I mean, I don't know about the Red Sox. I I question I'd question the Red Sox management a ton at this point. I you wonder if the Cubs are going to be in the mix for Shohei, but I don't know. Doesn't it feel like the Dodgers are just going to be like ten years, five hundred million? Let's let's just do it. <laughs> I feel like that's just what's gonna happen. So I think that that's inevitable. I don't know if they'll make that move at the deadline, but I didn't realize they had such a strong record, twenty eight and sixteen. That's freaking nice. So good for good for the Dodgers. I think it's I think he ends up a Dodger at some point. Who knows if it's at the deadline, but um no, I mean that that makes sense for for the move for them to at that point they easily go in as the NL favorites to to make the World Series at the least. Uh I've got another kind of lower level trade this is kind of boring i had i was hoping i could find some more blockbuster ideas but uh cincinnati sending will myers and alexis diaz their closer uh the cincinnati reds closer to the phillies phillies have been trying to solve this closer issue forever basically (laughs) i mean they signed craig kimbrell who's been bad shocker you as a Cubs fan would uh would understand that experience well hey, we traded him at the right time yeah, I was gonna so. actually yeah yeah good points and got got some nice got some nice pieces back Pete Peter Armstrong and uh who's that other uh no Crow wasn't um we ended up getting uh whoever who's that second baseman uh, that Nick you just Madrigal. 
Nick Madrigal is the one that we got back for and he's him, I think. Nice prospect. But then he went yeah. to the White Sox and just ate total crow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, the Phillies have been trying to solve that closer spot, get additional reliever depth. I think you just you go grab Alexis Diaz. Reds aren't doing anything this year. And grab Will Myers as well. They kind of have a really weird outfield, like, deal right now I mean Will Myers has been on a lot of winning teams in the past and nothing wrong with having enough you know enough I wouldn't say obviously not elite but nice additional piece for some additional outfield depth and send send back a couple you know mid-level prospects you don't have to blow up the farm system or anything like that because the Phillies don't have much of a farm system so send back a couple mid-level dudes and and keep yourself relevant for this season yeah, my last one is uh, your your club, Jell Brewers, making a little bit of a. Splash I like it. Here. I was trying Not... to think of a Brewers move, and I just like never drew one up. So I'm happy yeah. to hear that you have one. I don't know how likely this is or how much you would actually like it or not, but I have them kind of making a move. They it seems inevitable they're going to win the division this year. I mean, it, there's not really anyone else that's really. It's a bad division Pirates, with but how just, poor the Cardinals yeah. are. Yeah. Um, so I have them making a trade, just some low-level prospects going over to the Giants and Jock Peterson coming back. Give them a little bit of corner outfield depth and a little bit of a power bat in there. You can throw him into that DH role. So guy with the playoff experience has obviously had numerous playoff uh, runs with the Dodgers, uh, World Series with the Atlanta Braves two years ago. So give them a little bit of exp- more experience in the postseason in that clubhouse and just another bat for them to throw into the lineup. Absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> as long as you don't have to give up too much. I mean, I where is he now? He's in San Francisco. So and there, it looks like right a, now they're not going to compete. I mean, they're below five hundred unless they really yeah. turn it around. I, I I would be a big fan of that move at least for you know the final half of this season, given that. You know, Garrett Mitchell, who was off to a screaming hot start at center in center field, out for the year with a shoulder issue. Otherwise, and then you're relying on Tyrone Taylor, who's he's a fourth outfielder, and Joey Weimer, who's he can be a starter in the future, but he shouldn't be a you're starting in the playoffs, he shouldn't be a starting outfielder yet. So and then they're their next uh, top outfield prospect, Sal Freelich, who's close to the majors, currently injured. So, <laughs> Jock Peterson would fit in great, especially in that Miller in Miller Park with that short porch in right field. I think that's a. I mean, imagine seeing some bombs at Miller Park from him. It's not. It's not too tough to see to uh, reach the second deck out in right field. There, we see <laughs> no. that a lot. So that would be a ton of fun. I absolutely love it. I like it. Any others? Otherwise, we will. The only other one I had was another small Phillies trade. Go get Mike Moustakis for and Daniel Bard. Moose. Mike Moustakis, Daniel Bard, get some additional reliever help with Bard. uh, And then Moose just to have, you know, let's let's throw him in there uh, at third base when Alec Bame, you know, if he ever. if he ever falls apart again, which he did for a while <laughs> in Philly. So another low-level trade. But Philly's a couple small moves, but could be impactful. Yeah, no, absolutely. So those are some of our trade ideas. See if any of those come to fruition in a couple months here. We can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook at Dead Arm Sports. Go to YouTube, Dead Arm Sports, into the search bar. Subscribe. Click the bell there. That way you know when our episodes Ding. go live we monitor the chat there you can ask us any questions otherwise hit us up on our socials at dead arm sports at dos gel at dos jpeg give us a follow on all three of those subscribe rate and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform send us a screenshot of your written review and we will swag you up what are those platforms gel hit us up on apple podcast spotify iheart radio and google pods make sure to subscribe rate and review to whatever your chosen listening platform is or all four, if you're being generous. Uh, the the written reviews help us in particular, helps us uh, get up, you know, increase that relevance a little bit more. So the written reviews are, are absolute gold in terms of uh, expanding this podcast. Make sure to reach out to some of your friends if you enjoy it. Hit up your friends, family to uh, see if they 
want to take a listen and and uh you know especially any big golf fans any big football fans i think that you're gonna they're gonna find this to be entertaining so find your football find your golf friends and uh let's help grow this brand a little bit make sure to find us on youtube just search dead arm sports it should be the first thing that pops up at the top of your page subscribe there hit that bell to uh, get your notifications and uh yeah we will uh you know we we love the we love the listeners we love the supporters and let's uh let's continue to grow that absolutely we appreciate it so yeah definitely tell someone you know about the podcast help us spread the word otherwise uh everyone enjoy the pga championship uh, we will not talk about first round results at this point in time gel and i's picks are not doing so hot <laughs> so we'll talk about those next week when they rebound tomorrow and uh, compete over the weekend. But uh, until then, I hope everyone has a fantastic day. Have a great weekend and close her out, Joe. Did you know that diarrhea is hereditary? <laughs> it runs in your genes. <laughs>